Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Texas Electricity Ratings. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined this morning by C.J. Vogel and Jerry Hamilton. Bobby hey, look, hey, hey, hey. This morning. Bobby couldn't handle two straight days of the joy mode, Reed, so he needed to, he needed to take a day away. That's right. You kind of blew his mind a little bit yesterday. Oh, man. Okay, guys. Well, hey, we're a little over 40 days away from spring football. That's that's yes. crazy, is it not? A most anticipated spring in football at University of Texas since 2004. I'm standing by it. I said it a couple of days ago. You're going to get to see a lot of Arch Manning in the spring game, right? You got Quinn coming back. You got Arch. You got the portal transfers, uh, two Alabama starters at tight end and wide receiver, 17 early enrollees. First look at Colin Simmons, Trey Moore, the pass rushers coming in. All these back-to-back top five classes growing up. Kelvin Banks, DJ Campbell being year two as a starter, coming off a college football playoff appearance, the move to the SEC, the 12-team playoff. You line everything up, six guys about to be drafted in the first two and a half rounds of the NFL draft, you line everything up. And I think there's more excitement with Texas football than there's been in two decades, guys. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not taking away from Colt and, and Jordan, but I think we're kind of reaching that level because of last season and the move to the SEC this year. Yeah. I think that the, the SEC move especially adds to that just because you know that it's got to be a level of uh, heightened expectations coming in. So I, I, I love that. I well, love think that. Think about the 2024 season for Texas. You're at Michigan. You have Georgia and Austin, you have Oklahoma, and you bring back the AM rivalry. Oh, and yeah, you play Arkansas too, even though they're terrible. I mean, that is a hell of a season. Will Billy Napier get on the plane and head the game from Gainesville to Austin? We don't know. That's late in the season. But think about the teams Texas is playing, the new road trips for Texas fans. I mean, can you imagine Austin for the Texas Georgia game? I mean, that's going to be incredible if both teams kind of handle their business. You could be talking about, I know it's early, a 1-2, one, 1 versus 3 matchup in Austin. No. Now, I mean, that's what's in front of uh, – uh, no pressure, Sark. Just no, no, none at all. Good week to be on vacation while I'm over here talking noise. <laughs> now, Napier's flight might be headed a little bit more south down to, you know, Cancun or, or Bimini yeah, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's where everybody goes after they get whacked. <laughs> on vacation. Oh. In, in well, before Jamaica. we move on, guys, I want to say we have uh, Will Kane joining us at 830. He's our special guest this morning, so we're looking forward to that. Will, of course, a big Longhorn fan. But uh, something else that people are looking forward to, I don't know, maybe not Texas fans so much, but National Signing Day number two is tomorrow. Uh, Sark, of course, has a press conference tomorrow. Either one of y'all expecting any late, late fireworks? I mean, I'm not. Uh, CJ CJ may have some fireworks he's holding back on us. I, I'm not. I, I think this is going to be Sark talking about the 24 class, the 17 early enrollees, the portal additions, taking questions on that. Uh, the addition of Johnny Nansen um, and, and Kenny Baker to the staff. And will he announce the GM role? Will he announce the ch- some changes in the internal office, CJ? It'll be interesting to see. I know you'll be there. It'll be interesting to see what Sark has to say. Yeah, I'm keeping the fireworks holstered for the 2024 class. I'm not expecting anything too crazy. I will be there. I will be having some updates, not only uh, here on On Texas Football, but also on OnTexasFootball.com. So come join us. Uh, join the conversation. Join the community. We have some really good notes up this morning, which we'll dive into here in a second. But 
tomorrow I'm really expecting and hoping to, to hear from Sarkeesian about what it was from these prospects in the 24 class yeah. stood out to him. He can speak on it a little bit, having seen them in, uh, I guess about uh, a, a week, a week's time of, of workouts now that he's back on campus just a little bit uh, and, and really just getting an idea of what's to come in the front office. As you mentioned, Jerry, when it comes to a, a personnel player person personnel and if that GM role is filled or created for Sarkeesian and by the way Todd Lacey congrats yeah I mean your son uh son signing tomorrow man big day for you know a lot of kids families uh around the country so congrats to, uh, to you and your family and your son on that tomorrow obviously Biggins in Minnesota we also RIP to Toby Keith man RIP some shocking news this morning waking up to well, CJ, you mentioned notes over on ontexasfootball.com. That's actually the next thing I wanted to bring up. You had a piece called In the Pipeline, where you talked about the quarterback and running back situation and you know what the future holds for Texas at those positions. We'll let you break that down for folks. Well, it's certainly a lot of encouraging uh, factors right now at both positions. The Texas backfield is looking to be very loaded and very stacked for the you know the next couple of seasons at the very least. And at this point, with the way Sarkeesian and Chartreuse are recruiting, it doesn't look like that's going to slow down anytime soon. Obviously, with Quinn Ewers going back for year three, you figure to be you know more than happy with where you are at right now. Followed by Arch Manning, Trey Owens, uh, KJ Lacey, who you have in the fold coming up. Right now, going into 24, you're very comfortable with what you have at the quarterback position. Uh, you know if Quinn, Quinn goes down, you have a second-year Arch Manning who probably deep down expected to be the starter or at least in contention to start coming into this season. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of where we're at. I, I like Trey Owens. I think he can develop into a, a very solid piece in that room as well. But the running back room is one that's really encouraging to me because you're looking at what could be a, a six-deep position in which you would trust the guy – uh, in your backfield when the ball is in their hands. And I think that's a, a spot where you don't see very often in a, in a college position room, let alone one that we've seen at Texas over the last 10, 15, 20 years. So uh, the running backs to me are very encouraging. You have a lot of guys you can do a lot of things with. We've talked about C.J. Baxter and Jaden Blue, but where does Savion Red and Trey Wisner fit in? They both have unique skill sets. You can both throw them into individual roles, as we've seen with Savion Red over the past couple of years. And that doesn't even lead you to begin where's Christian Clark and uh, Jarrett Gibson fit in as well. So a lot of health and moving forward, not only in 24, but beyond into the SEC. You're looking at a wealth of talent at both positions that should be the strengths or at least one of the strengths of this Texas program moving forward. I, I think the running back room is so interesting. Obviously, the quarterback room always gets the most attention. But here's what I'll say about the running back room. If for people that haven't seen Jarrett Gibson in person, and I think CJ got to see him in Orlando. Dude, he is a rocked up five nine and three quarters, two hundred and fifteen pounds. He looks like he can take on a power five linebacker. So him walking out of IMG, and and he's a little older in his class. He's already nineteen, but physically developed. Him walking into Austin from IMG, that guy's going to be able to take on an Anthony Hill and pass pro, and it's not going to be a shock to his system. He's going to be able to drop his pads on a downhill inside zone run and push that pile forward a little more than some freshman could. This guy is compact and freaking powerful. And then you have Christian Clark. I think Christian Clark, what he brings immediately, um, I think he is going to be the most violent cutter between the hashes of any Texas running back. And I think he could, he may be able to make a push to be the goal line back for Texas his freshman year. I think it'll be interesting to see. Some of that will be on C.J. Baxter, how much he's developed physically 
kind of where he's at. Uh, that's not the role of Jaden Blue. So I could see Christian Clark because he, again, these are two guys that come in with power five running back frames. Christian Clark can, he can max out physically a lot more than where he is, but he is a strong, natural guy in the hips and legs. If you've seen him in person, um, and this guy is a violent cutter, multiple cuts in short spaces. That guy could end up being a really good uh, short yardage back, uh, goal line back, uh, because he's going to do that. He's going to make those cuts at 215 pounds, 220 pounds in short order. Well, fellas, before we move on, I need to tell everybody out there about Texas electricity ratings. And for those of y'all still living in Texas and in the major cities with deregulated electricity like Dallas and Houston, you understand that deregulated electricity market can be confusing. Texas Electricity Ratings is a shopping website that lets you compare prices, read customer reviews, and find a good electricity plan that fits your needs. It also filters out a lot of the gimmicky plans on websites like Power to Choose that trick customers into expensive bills. So if you're in the market for a new electricity plan, shop TexasElectricityRatings.com OTF for all of your electricity needs. That's TexasElectricityRatings.com slash OTF, and they'll get you hooked up and hook them. We've had a few questions. Uh, Bobby Bobby, Bobby will be back tomorrow. Yeah, he couldn't handle two straight days of the Joy Motorade. So, uh, uh, no, he's got an appointment this morning. He'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, both of you also put in uh, or put on some recruiting notes over on ontexasfootball.com. CJ, I'm going to let you start because you had a, uh, a big note about an out-of-state visitor. Yeah, literally big. Uh, Josiah Sharman uh, out of uh, Folsom, California. I, I chatted a little bit with him yesterday, uh, late last night. He you know, let me know that he is going to visit Texas uh, in March. He will be on campus for the first time since Texas offered on February 1st. It was actually Johnny Nance who made the trip out to see him in person. Uh, a really, really big prospect, 6'5", 300 pounds, in the middle of the defensive line out there in California. Uh, exactly what Texas is kind of looking for right now to plug those uh, run gaps uh, potential to grow into a nose if the body keeps going. He certainly has a size adequate uh, to what you want to see in the middle of your defensive line. Really talented prospect as well. Previously committed to Washington, reopened since earned offers from USC and Alabama, among a few others as well. So Texas is headed west, a place that they're familiar with, and we're getting the first crack at uh, letting Johnny Nansen get on the road and uh, really start evaluating some guys in that front seven as well. Yeah, and on Sharma as well. You know, he, I think, uh, Blake, you mentioned this on ontexasfootball.com and on the show. He grew up in Arlington or he yep. lived in Arlington. So he's With got ties. And to the state. Yeah, and Austin got ties to the state of Texas. Now he visited uh, Alabama last weekend. He posted photos on social media. I put those on ontexasfootball.com. Uh, with him and Kalen DeBoer, there's actually some impressive athletic photos in that photo shoot from his uh, trip to Bama. The other thing is, I posted that he goes by Sugar Bear. Uh, I posted a, a a tweet of him, in a wrestling video on ontexasfootball.com. So for Texas fans that aren't familiar with Josiah Sharma, the offer February 1st, uh, go over to ontexasfootball.com. We'll have more on him. Uh, but I, I agree with CJ. I love, love this guy as a prospect now. I mean, he is long arm, quick. His initial movement skills are that of a disruptor. His frame can be that of an over-the-ball player. So what does that mean? That's a guy with a hell of a high ceiling. Uh, so – he is a big-time prospect. He is a guy, as these 2025 rankings adjust nationally, if he's not in the top 100 in the country, I'll be surprised. Yeah. Um, and this morning, I put some notes out. I talked to somebody close to Dorian Brew's recruitment. Somebody asked about Dorian Brew. Um, 
So I think uh, I, I think some people were wondering, has Ohio State fallen off with the commitments of five stars Devin Sancher, De- Devin Sanchez from North Shore and Naeem Offord out of uh, Parker High in Birmingham? Uh, the person I talked to said Ohio State's very much still in it, as you would expect. Uh, they're very much still in it. But the, the fact that he didn't commit January 24th, which would have been Ohio State, and went to Texas on the 20th, it's good news for Texas. I can tell you Steve Sarkeesian, Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley were all by Conroe High School in January. Then Tosh Lupoy from Oregon uh, was by as well as Corey Raymond. Those are maybe the five schools that are kind of the focus of the recruitment right now. We'll see how long it plays out if he takes all those official visits in June. But I can tell you this, Oregon, USC, Texas, um, LSU, they're attacking this recruitment like it's still in the balance, and this recruitment's going to play out a while. I also talked to uh, somebody close to Camoran Morgan, um, his recruitment, the edge out of Red Oak, who transferred back to South Oak Cliff, which is where he's originally from. He played the last two seasons at Red Oak. He's back at South Oak Cliff. A guy I'm a big fan of his upside, 6'3 and a half, about 220, 225. Comes from a basketball family. And those that know Dallas South Oak Cliff know the Golden Bears have been dominant for years in basketball. Duncanville's kind of taken the reins from them in Dallas Lincoln in recent years, but his his father, Ronnie Morgan, played at South Oak Cliff and played basketball at Law Tech. His uncle, Jamison Morgan, for those who really followed basketball recruiting, a guy Texas recruited under Barnes, Russ Springman, Rodney Terry, all those guys. Jamison Morgan was a 6'10 center out of South Oak Cliff that went on to UCLA to play college basketball. He's a top 50 kid in the country. The main thing, takeaway I got from the conversation uh, on Kamora Morgan was that uh, the in-state schools, I think long-term will be tough to beat or the close to home. So he was at Texas Junior Day. He's been to A&M. SMU's trying to make a big run here. Oklahoma, expect all those schools to remain in the mix throughout this recruitment. Uh, then the last couple of things I posted, a couple of out-of-state offensive linemen uh, you can read about on, on TexasFootball.com. I've set, talked a lot about John Mills from St. Ignatius in San Francisco. He's an on-Texas football four-star, which we'll have more on our rankings coming out soon. Um, but uh, he's a guy who could be argued. He could be a slight Texas lean. He was at the tech January 20 junior day, Michigan, Washington, uh, where a lot of family members were athletes, Texas in it. But now Kyle Flood's also recruiting two other out-of-state linemen. He went to see Nick Brooks at Cedar Rapids, Iowa, in late January, sell a large human, 6'7", about 6'6", 6'7", about 340, 350. Uh, most people consider him an Iowa lean, but look, he was at Georgia last weekend. Texas may get him on campus in the spring. And then there's Peter Longy out of San Francisco area in California, a guy who has 38 offers, you name it, Alabama, Auburn, all these schools have offered him. Uh, Texas is in the mix there with Peter uh, uh, Longy. So we'll see if he gets on campus in spring, this spring in March or in June. It's good stuff. Yeah, for sure. All right, Jerry, before we uh... – Move on and, and bring on Will. I want I want you to talk about two things. Oh, number boy. one, <laughs> number one, the basketball game tonight. Yeah, guys, yeah, how how big of a deal is that for huge. Texas? This is a huge game. I'm sure CJ's got some thoughts on this too, but I'm going to ramble for a second on this one. Look, that win over TCU was a massive win. Texas is now four and four in quad one games. They're 32 in NCA net. But two weeks ago. They were outside the bracketology of Joe Lunardi and people. They were outside of it. This is how quickly things can change in the Big 12. Kansas took their fourth conference loss last night at Kansas State. This is a huge win because what Texas hasn't been able to do 
is play as well at home as they have on the road in Big 12 play, which has been a little surprising. But if they can actually string together two quality wins in a row here, if they beat Iowa State, who's a top 20 team, guy, the coach there does a fabulous job, in my opinion, um, especially with what he inherited and where he's brought that program. But if they can beat Iowa State tonight, you're suddenly five and four in quad one games. And you have West Virginia coming to town. You could ra- you could roll off three wins in a row. You could get on a little of a win streak and get over 500 before you have to go to Houston. So tonight's a massive game for Texas, no doubt. Yeah, certainly. I, my my two notes here is you obviously have uh, this will be your sixth straight ranked opponent if you're Texas. A win tonight makes you four and two in those games. Pretty impressive stuff. And then second one, this is only the second game Iowa State played since January 27th. They've yeah. had a little bit of time off and. I'm not sure if that will matter going on the road to the Moody Center tonight, but it is something to monitor. Obviously, you'd like to be in a rhythm at, at this point in the season heading into the final stretch. Uh, Texas has, in my opinion, the last two games looked like the most consistent best basketball that they've played. Toss out the Provo game uh, against BYU. And the last two weeks, really, I thought Texas has been playing a very solid brand of basketball as of late. And as I've mentioned all along, I feel like Texas has really found their core group to close out basketball games and right now that gives me more confidence than anything else that I've seen you never know when Ace Smith is going to come alive as we saw last week I'm I'm thinking right now I'm a little bit more bullish than I have been at any point in the season on Texas basketball going into tonight yeah and I think Weaver defensively inserting him in the starting lineup has been very valuable because he can go guard a best on best defender against the guard situation and you don't have to ask an undersized guard to do that all the time. The other thing about Iowa State, they have a freshman kid, and I can't pronounce his name. He's 6'9". He can absolutely shoot the basketball. So Texas has to guard the big on the perimeter tonight, which is a little different defensively. Uh, BYU had some of that. Uh, but Iowa State, not a great free throw shooting team. If this game is tight late and Texas has the ball in Acemas's hands running that two-man game with Disu, then Iowa State on the flip side – not as not one of the best, better free throw shooting teams in the Big 12. So we'll see what happens if that game's close. But uh, I, I, I'm guessing Moody uh, will be rocking tonight. Yeah. All right, Jerry. It's time for everybody's favorite time of the morning. I'm going to let you tell the folks out there about Joy Mode. Look, first of all, I can't believe Bobby Burton is missing this. This is We're here to talk about Joy Mode, right? <laughs> I think I can speak for most win, men when I say we want to have better sex. And for the sake of our partner, we may need to have better sex. This is, The issue is that over-the-counter erection pills contain unregulated chemicals, suggest unsafe doses, and include the risk of several other health problems. Who needs that? That's why we've partnered with our friends at Joy Mode. Whether you're looking to spice up your intimate moments or increase your confidence in the bedroom, Joy Mode makes all-natural and science-backed supplements dedicated to helping men perform better across their core functions. The tra- their trademark product, the Sexual Performance Booster, is every man's solution for increased blood flow, firmness, stamina, and performance. It's like a pre-workout, but for sex. It comes in a palm-sized packet like your favorite electrolyte powder. Simply mix six to eight ounces of water four minutes before sexual activity and watch the magic unfold Literally, redefine your intimacy and go to usejoymode.com for 20% off with ONTEXAS, all caps. That's 20% off free shipping with code ONTEXAS at usejoymode.com. Ingredients with integrity, that's Joy Mode. 
Man, I did miss a good one yesterday, huh? <laughs> I can't wait to see what's next. <laughs> you never know around here. That's for sure. Well, we want to thank Joy Mode for being a sponsor of today's show. But I also want to thank Will Kane for joining us. And Will, how are you well, doing this Well, morning? we couldn't bring you on before that now. That, that's not the way to bring you on. I mean, Joy Mode got their money's worth out of that read. The enthusiasm there coming from Jerry <laughs> is enough for double the rate on that advertisement. <laughs> Hey, hey, Will, you're first. I never thought we'd have on coffee and football. Somebody that scored a collegiate water polo goal. <laughs> yeah. Hey, here's a story about that goal. Uh, so I was a water polo player at Pepperdine. I, I grew up as a swimmer in Sherman, Texas. And uh, like most guys in Texas, you know, all of my attention was devoted to team sports, even if I didn't play team sports like basketball or football. But that's where all my energy and Fandom was focused. Uh, so I wanted to walk on uh, to something that I thought would translate into my skills. Now, Pepperdine had a very open walk-on program. They're, they're incredible at water polo. They're a top 10 program in the country and won the national championship the year after I graduated. But I, I was a scrub. I was into the bench. I was in charge of, uh, you know, team enthusiasm, like your read for joy mode. I, 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 was, I was there to keep the bench and everybody there on the same program. And those guys I think are important to a program. I, I listen to Sarkeesian. I look at the guys down at the end of the bench who keep, you can see it more readily in basketball got, you know, uh, guys that are there to make sure this team has the right attitude. So that was my job, but I got a little playing time, especially my senior year. And we were playing the university, UC Santa Barbara. And um, I got a breakaway uh, one on nobody, but there was a guy coming on my hip and I was, I was headed towards the goal. The goalie, my goalie, put a wonderful pass over my head, swam right onto it, picked it up, and it's called a, a donut or a bunny ear. I put it right between the goalie's arms. His arms are up like this, put it right over his head, scored, and to this day, I don't want to call it legendary, but it is remembered by my head coach, Terry Schroeder, my assistant coach, Jim McMillan, and all my teammates that my celebration when I scored that goal was hook them. I raised him awesome. right there in the pool at UC Santa Barbara. It made no sense. It made about as much sense as an Arkansas-Missouri game with everybody doing horns down. It was a UC Santa Barbara Pepperdine Waves water polo game celebrated by horns up. Uh, you, you answered my question. I was going to ask, was that was that a home game at Pepperdine or were y'all slumming it up at UC Santa Barbara? But you answered that question for me. Because, look, Pepperdine, before we get into Texas, Pepperdine has to be the best college campus in the world. I mean, I, every time I go to L.A., I go up there. There's a little park across from Pepperdine, and I eat there just looking over the Pacific. I just grab a lunch and go eat there. Uh, just uh, how awesome was that before you obviously uh, went to the University of Texas, uh, got that law degree? How awesome was it to actually go to college there and wake up in Malibu every morning? I mean, for people that haven't been to Pepperdine, it's, uh, it's incredible. It is. It's, on the, it's, it's, it's not on the beach, but it's on the mountains right above the beach in Malibu. And look, I um, I have a lot of fondness for Pepperdine, and and I love it. And I'm still I work with Pepperdine today, and I and I love the path that Pepperdine is on academically, and specifically in in working to fill a need that I'm passionate about. And I'm not going to talk about politics with you here today, but I am worried about the state of education in this country. And so I think Pepperdine is promises to possibly be one of the few outlets out there where a parent can feel good about sending their kids to school, but. You know, Malibu was extremely attractive to me as an 18-year-old. Jerry, guys our age, I, I, I contend this to this day, it applied to me. 
we romanticized California. It's where all the movies came from, all the music came from. And growing up in Sherman, Texas, which felt like it's not, and it's my favorite town in the world, uh, but it felt like then the middle of nowhere. So I wanted to go where it was happening and I wanted to go to California. It's interesting now that it, that is not the case for young people. Like I know a ton of Californians and they're all headed to TCU, which is wild to my mind, but they, they want to go to TCU. So I wanted to go to California and I, and I saw that campus and it is gorgeous. But at least for the first two years at Pepperdine, I was busy being envious of my buddies out at field parties in Waco or BYOB bars uh, outside of Waco. The guys, my, my high school buddies that were at Baylor or at UT, and I was kind of just jealous of what ended up being, in my mind, a more, more typical collegiate experience back home in Texas. But that being said, uh, all I'm telling you is you send an 18-year-old to the beach and you can be guaranteed he's going to take it for granted. And he thinks he's going to have just as much fun out in a field outside of Waco. But the school itself, Pepperdine, is, is awesome. Love Pepperdine. I got to know, Will, do you, do you follow Pepperdine sports as much as you follow Texas sports? So this has become a thing. Um, <laughs> it's become a thing where I've had some meetings with Pepperdine. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Like I've had meetings. I've met with the president and I love Pepperdine. But they have said to me, hey, you uh, you really you, you really help push Texas. Like, you, you know, you're, you're really proud and you use your social media and you talk about it on television. And it's true. I'm. I, and, and by the way, now the second team I talk about most outside of Texas is Clemson because my nephew who played offensive line at Odessa Permian okay, and, and could have gone in, you guys will know who he is because you follow recruiting, but it's Harris Sewell yep. um, who was a four-star last year um, and, and liked Kyle Flood and loved Texas and knew that his uncle wanted him to be a Longhorn, called me one night and said, Uncle Will, I got to tell you, I'm going to Clemson. And, and I said, man, you do what's right for you. And I know why he went to Clemson. I know what's special about Dabo, and I know what's special about that program now. And he started as a freshman. Um, so I've given a lot of attention to, the obviously, the Longhorns and to Clemson. And Pepperdine has been like, hey, we're doing pretty decent at, you know, golf. And I'm like, I love that, I, you know. And uh, I want them to get – I wish they were, and I hope that they're on the path to pursuing being Gonzaga in basketball. Exactly. I mean, there's no reason you can't have a Gonzaga-type program in Malibu. And by the way, the fact is, Tech, uh, Pepperdine won the national championship in baseball the year before I went, and that played a role in why I went to Pepperdine. I wanted to root for something, and you have – I mean, football eats up 80% of the energy. College basketball eats up another 17, and you got about 3% for baseball as fans. But um, you need to be good at sports. You need to be good at football or basketball primarily to attract students to your school. So I need to give more attention to Pepperdine. Pepperdine needs to invest in basketball. I'm right there with you, Will, because Pepperdine is one of my favorite schools late at night to bet on when there's nothing else on. So <laughs> they're, they're certainly up my list there in that, in that regard. But I, I wanted to get your thoughts flipping back over to Texas football a little bit. Yeah. Texas obviously made what was a, a run of which we haven't seen in about 15 or 16 years, whatever it might be. I wanted to get your thoughts on the season, how it ended, and obviously the path in which got Texas to, to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl, and and ultimately what you thought you know was a successful season for Texas, and what might be a, a pretty successful season coming up again as we head into the SEC. So first of all, uh, history. The reason I'm such a big Texas Longhorn fan is after I went to Pepperdine, I went to law school at UT, and although I'd kind of liked UT before that, my dad was an SMU guy. So I, I grew up like every other college in Texas, a little bit hating Texas. That's kind of just how it is if you're 
any other school in Texas. But once I got to law school, UT, it was the time of Ricky Williams. I mean, I went all in and I, and I, and I stayed with it to the extent that I know who you guys are. I follow you guys. I, I followed Jerry for years. I'm a dork. I love, and I hate to say that because you're all dorks as well. And everybody watching is a dork in that we care about what the decisions of high schoolers might, might be. And I do, you know, I keep up with everything, you know, I'm, I'm aware of KJ Lacey and I want to see what we're going to do about uh, Jordan Davidson in 25, you know, getting running back, the running back in. I, I mean, I, every day, by the way, it's just part of my cycle. Every day I read about Texas recruiting. I, so the, the optimist in me is, is, no, I want to start with pessimism. The pessimism in me is I'm a huge Cowboys, Rangers, Mavericks fan as well, stars. And when the Rangers were on their run this year, you know, I, I got into this place where it was like, well, everything is icing. I didn't expect it to go this way. We're in the ALCS. If we lose, it will still be an amazing season. And my brother-in-law was like, you can't do that, man, because when you have your moment, you have to capitalize. You never know how often you will be back. And then now that the Rangers won the World Series, I know he was right. I still would have been pleased, but how much how much better is it that it ended the way it's supposed to end? So the pessimist in me is I hate that the Longhorns got that far. And I'm not I'm not ready to say Washington was a better team. I think there was a lot of things that we could have done in that game. And and I, I just uh, the, the pessimist in me is like, I wish we would have struck while the iron was hot. Now, the optimist in me is. I've had a $500 bet with that same brother-in-law, the Texas. Here's the specific bet that we will win the SEC within five years of joining the conference. You're going to win. Now he's a, he's a hater. He's an Arkansas and tech guy. And he, he feels confident for some reason. So we doubled it up. It's a thousand dollars now that we'll win. We'll win the SEC within five years. And I feel extremely confident. Like if he wants to do another double, bet, I feel I confident feel, in your bet. <laughs> yeah. I feel great. And Look, with Quinn Ewers coming back um, and then it being passed on to Arch Manning, you've got the most important position in football locked up for the next at least four years, maybe three years. We'll see what Arch's plan is. But um, I feel good. There's one. There's probably one place, if we want to get into the nitty-gritty, I, I, there was one place I'm concerned, and it's defensive line. It's defensive tackle. I, I like that bet as well. I mean, I'm – I'm a gambler by trade, so that's tremendous. Uh, well, I also live on the internet, so Twitter is where that's my domain. I live, I speak internet. I, I know the, the the depths of Twitter can be mean sometimes. They pull receipts. They like going back into where you know your bad takes get surfaced more times than they, they don't. Right? I don't know what this is going to be, but this could be good. <laughs> but I, I wanted to go back to a, a clip that you had from October 22nd, and it was two or three starts in the Quinny Rosera, and you liked what you saw. You know, it was. I'm very adamant. I'll double down on this, basically. Uh, verbatim, you said, you know, Quinn Ewers is going to be a very good college quarterback. He's, I think you mentioned he might win a Heisman. Uh, but he will eventually go on and be a very successful NFL quarterback as well. I said Following all that. what we saw this past season and moving into the SEC, how do you feel about that take? And, I mean, do you still think we're on that right path to seeing Quinn Ewers be that first successful Texas quarterback in quite a while? I said all that. Um, you know, I got, it. I got the tweets. <laughs> Okay, so I now host, in addition to hosting Fox and Friends Weekend, I host the Will Kane Show uh, every day. It streams at noon at foxnews.com and on Fox's YouTube channel. And I talk sports. I try to talk at one-third of my content on a daily basis. I do politics, I do culture, and I try to talk sports. When I was at ESPN, I had, had a daily radio show. And one of the lessons you learn in, in, in content for a national audience is, 
and I'll tell the audience this, and you should know it. I mean, there's a maxim, play the hits. And I'll tell you who's the best at playing the hits. It's Colin Coward. Colin Coward is, where, however everyone feels about him, an excellent national radio host in terms of producing content. He's purposeful. He's calculated. He thinks about what the biggest audience wants to hear. And in playing the hits, you can't overindulge the things that you love. For me, that primarily impacted me with the Mavericks because the Mavericks are a national team. It meant I could talk about the Cowboys whenever I wanted. And I could talk about the Longhorns uh, often. And so when I do my daily show now, I try to be a little bit careful about don't do too much Longhorns. I've got an audience that's there for culture, an audience that's there, there for politics. But on Fridays, we have devoted the full episode to sports exclusive. So on my Friday episode of my show, I only do sports. I tell you all this because last Friday, my episode was with my former ESPN colleague, Florida State quarterback, NFL quarterback, Danny Cannell. And I brought up Quinn and I said, Danny, there's been this conversation, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, you don't learn to be accurate. You're born accurate. Or it settles in when you're like, I don't know, 16 or 17 years old. Everybody said it about Josh Allen. They've said it about Lamar Jackson. And it may not be true because Allen, for one, has gotten way more accurate as a pro. What I'm leading all this to is I asked Canell about Ewers because Ewers maybe has as much talent, arm talent, as anybody that we've seen since Patrick Mahomes. That doesn't mean I think he is Patrick Mahomes. I'm talking about just – Wing it off platform, bad feet, arm. But what I've, what, what the biggest thing that concerns me from the take that I gave in October, and I think that Quinn is going to be the leading candidate for the Heisman. He will be a first round quarterback. But for him to be an NFL quarterback that's a success, my biggest concern actually is inaccuracy. So I, I'm a little surprised how inaccurate he is on the long ball. I'm a little surprised. It's mainly the long ball. Um, I'm a little surprised about some things that, if I were an NFL GM, I'd be like, can these be fixed? I've got all this talent, but it hasn't yet added up to the guy that absolutely takes over and is the best player on the field and wins the game. And that's what I would hope we'd see this year from Quinn Ewers. I, I think that's a good take. I mean, look, I, that is the next big step for Quinn. Um, I, I, talk, I spoke with somebody close to his camp recently, and they think you're going to see a stronger version. Now that he reshaped his body, you're going to see a stronger version of Quinn, a more confident version of Quinn in year three. But to that accuracy point, I, I totally agree. That's going to be the next big step for him, right? I mean, he made a step from year one, starter year one to year two. If he makes the same step year three, then we may be having a, a different conversation. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's going to be interesting because to your point, Will, Texas is going to be faster on offense next year. That means there's going to be more guys running down the field. That means you have to put the ball in positions for, the, for those guys to make a play down the field. So it's a great opportunity for Quinn next season to answer those questions that this NFL scouts have as well going into next year. So you, you said Texas is going to be faster. I'm going to use this opportunity to talk to you guys as well about something. So I'm one of these fans, and maybe this is the pessimist to me. When you say faster, Jerry, I'm sure you're talking about you're talking about Silas Bolden, Matthew Golden, um, I Not guess Isaiah Bond. But, yeah. but, I mean, I worry about replacing Worthy on the speed front, but I hear you on those guys, um, especially Bolden or Cook out of, the, out of the slot. Or I guess Cook will probably be on the outside. What I worry, I'm one of these dumb fans that worries about something that you shouldn't worry about, which is we've upgraded talent so many different places through the portal, and I'm worried about getting on the portal Ferris wheel. Because, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm like, there's two positions that worry me, defensive end and, and, and wide receiver on this front, and that is, 
I don't want to lose Ryan Wingo to the transfer portal. I don't want to lose. Uh, I want to honestly, I'm only says like, I want to know what is in Ryan Niblett's bag. I kind of want to know like how good is he? And I'm worried that we're not going to see it this year. I don't know what we'll see the next year. And before you know it, Ryan Niblett or, and I hope not Ryan Wingo are playing wide receiver for Missouri and, and UTEP. And, and I just, I worry same thing with defensive end. Like, um, there's some guys, at least with some four stars, and you would think some talent, kind of buried now. And I just worried about, well, if we lose them, then we got to get another transfer the next year and another transfer the next year. Now we're on the Ferris wheel. Yeah, it's perfectly fair. I mean, you're, you're looking right now at what Notre Dame's doing at quarterback in which they didn't recruit the position well, and you had to go out, you get Sam Hartman for a rental year, and now you're doing the same thing with Riley Leonard. What's next for them at that position? I don't think Texas will get to that point. And so uh, we, we brought this up uh, – a couple episodes ago, Texas is starting. It's the projected starter right now. It's 21 out of 22 guys on the both sides of the ball will have at least one start somewhere on their power five level at some point in their, their career before coming to Texas. To me, that's very important because not only do you get the reps for these younger guys behind the scenes, they're, they're time to develop behind the scenes, get acclimated to the speed of the game, but also really just used to being a college athlete because that's a bit of a stretch early on. And my biggest issue for Texas for really the last decade was the really the flood of guys that you see too early in their career in which they're thrown into a fire. They don't necessarily have their feet under them and aren't ready for college football already. And that to me has been something that Sarkeesian has addressed very well in the sense that there's going to be depth at all positions at all times. And he came in early right away and said, all right, offensive line, we've got nine guys. This cannot be the standard here. We've got to get that fixed. And to that point, I haven't, we haven't seen an offensive lineman transfer out that's yet. One of the, CJ, that's one of the biggest success stories. That 2022 class, I can't believe no one's transferred out of the, out of the class. And I love it, and I hope they don't. Yeah, Right. And, and, and that, and that, that to me is kind of that. Yeah, that, they're going to have four NFL draft picks out of that group, by the way, too, coming up. But, yeah, to your point. Uh, CJ, I think that's a good point. And here's the other thing is with the younger kids, Will, I think it's a great point. And here's where I think it for the Blue Bloods, it's a positive because you're going to have guys leave a program that they're going to be as talented as Texas, Georgia, Alabama. Look how many guys just left Georgia. It's going to see who's going to stick with your process and really put development first and show a little bit of patience, right? Now, NIL may make it easier for some guys to show patience, let's be real. But I think that's going to be so interesting and fascinating for this coaching staff, I think that's a no. They have a great feel for who's going to continue to be bought in to developing as players. And to CJ's point on the offensive line, that's what you've seen. I mean, Neto's had to be very uh, patient. Right. He's, he's had the one I've talked about a lot. He's the top 100 ranked guy in the country. And he's has he had 100 snaps combined in two years? Probably not. This Jerry, year, is he one of the four? Yes. Kelvin Banks, DJ Campbell um, from that class. I guess Cam. Williams, but then Cole Hudson or Neto, one of the other, is your fourth NFL player? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, look, I think Kelvin's going to be a first-rounder. In Austin, they think Cam Williams may end up being a first-rounder long-term. Uh, and I can see it talent-wise, just the frame, the athleticism. He's going to interview well when he gets to that part of the process. Really good dude. Uh, but DJ Campbell, obviously, they, they think he's going to be an NFL draft pick. And then it gets down to does Neto maximize his talent? Could Cole Hudson – get a look at center long term uh, in that class. So there, there's a lot of pieces in that class, but that's been the number I've continued to hear now headed in the year three is they think there's four draft picks out of that group. That would be, that would be amazing. Hey, hey, Will, I have a question for you. 
Yeah. Future of college football and college sports. There's a lot going on, right? You saw the ruling with Dartmouth yesterday. Um, Kat, where do you think all this is headed? I think the three of us here uh, uh, think a couple of 2014 super conferences is where we're headed, Big Ten and SEC. What do you think about the landscape right now? What are your thoughts on where it's headed long term? Well, the first thing I think about long term, I talked about this on my show and you just brought up NIL. Um, I had this fascinating conversation. I'm not going to reveal the names of the schools, but they are schools that we all um, are very familiar with. And uh, they are schools that we they're they're pertinent to our conversation. I was told a story from high up that in a non revenue generating sport. So we're not talking about football. An athlete that was offered a full ride to a smaller but Division I school. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Chose to forego his full ride to go to another much bigger school with no scholarship offer whatsoever because his NIL offer exceeded the value of the scholarship. Now, I'd never thought about that. I've always thought about NIL as a supplement to a scholarship. And I don't know if we thought about what that means for the future of college sports. And we'll get to football in your super conference. I don't want to ignore that. But, you know, Title Nine. the I played a sport that that in water polo that would have been affected greatly by Title IX. You know, you got the same number of scholarships for men and women. And because football eats up so many scholarships, women have so many other sports available to them than men. And then in the sports that we do share, like volleyball, men get four and a half, women get 12. That's all part of the Title IX. But the currency to make it even is the scholarship. And if the scholarship loses its value and NIL becomes the main currency, I don't I mean, this isn't like some cause I'm ready to bang the drum about, but your efforts to make gender equality in collegiate sports is all of a sudden undercut. Now it's applied to football. I mean, who knows what you may you guys may know what Isaiah Bond got. I mean, we hear stories about what Arch is getting. What does the scholarship matter at that point? (laughs) If you're getting seven figures, if you're getting high six figures, why does a scholarship matter to you? And so what do we have an 85 player scholarship limit? So. I mean, could Texas or these kind of big programs be offering NILs? And I know the market doesn't dictate this. You wouldn't. But can you get around the scholarship limit by NILing a guy to some great level that that you can have effectively 100 guys on your roster? I just we're in the wild, wild west. And I don't know. I don't know the outcome, but I know that we're shaking the ground under our feet on college football. And, yeah, you're probably right. It's like I like soccer. It's like they've been trying to create the Super League of the revenue generating programs in soccer for European soccer for years. That's probably where we're headed with college football. You know, whatever the 20 to 30 biggest revenue generating programs are decide that 
the Iowa states of the world aren't necessary for big ratings. I think to your point, uh, how do you work past that 85 number? I can see a, a number of your specialists, right? Don't have to be scholarship players anymore. So mm-hmm. does a Bird Auburn ever really need a scholarship because of what he's he's doing in NIL, right? And can you set that up, some of these universities, to where that's four or five extra scholarships, your deep, your deep snapper, your kicker, your punter, yeah. you know, a short snapper, what have you. That could end up being four or five extra scholarships that you could pocket over here with NIL that you can bring in additional numbers to your premium position. So I think that's kind of an area that they're going to work around it, but – um, that, you know, the scholarship, uh, that that's what's going to be interesting, Will, to me long term with this is, you know, is a union form? Is it going to be profit sharing? At that point, are these guys going to become employees of the state where they go to school? That's kind of been my question long term with where all this is headed. I don't know in, if we have the answers, but I could see that being a long term thing that happens. And what will be sad, and to, to your point on the Super League, at some point, the SEC, for example, if this is the future, starts kicking schools out, right? I mean, you know, the SEC looks at Vanderbilt and says, "What is it? What does it add?" I mean, I know it adds academic prestige, right. or, or but it could be even worse. And Vanderbilt's an easy one to uh, pick on. I mean, you could say Mississippi State. You, what, you know, I brought up Iowa State a minute ago. With the they'll be left in the Big Twelve, but the the, the gap. It's not the gap between the the haves and the have-nots that'll be matter in the future. Meaning. It'll, it'll be the gap between the merely, you know, I've all, we've always said this in, in politics or in, in America, the biggest resentment in the world is the merely rich to the very wealthy. Like you, you see people who are really mad. It's not the middle class. It's like the, it's like just wealthy people who look at really wealthy people with a lot of anger or envy. It, it could be the upper middle class of college football. Again, whoever that is, is that Mississippi state? I don't know who looks at Georgia and Texas and Alabama and and the separation starts right there like well we don't need you you know we, we don't need Mississippi State we've got enough and I'm not saying that I'm a I got friends that went to Mississippi State I'm not trying to pick on them either I like I like Mississippi State but I'm just trying to say this could be where we're headed towards this kicking people out that aren't in the top however many programs we decide are the the very wealthy well, last thing I have before we let you go, we know what you got things to do. We're so grateful for you coming on, taking 25, 30 minutes with us is your excitement level for Texas. I've kind of said on the show here, I think it's the most anticipated spring practice for Texas since maybe 2004. Um, with the move to the SEC coming off the playoff, look, last year uh, it was, was, how, was Arch going to get reps in spring practice? Now it's going to be Quinn and Arch in the spring game, right? With Trey Owens getting some reps. 17 early enrollees, Isaiah Bond, Nye Black, Matthew Gold, all the guys from the portal coming in. How, where is this for you? How excited are you? Where does it register for you? That with the move to the SEC for Texas football headed in the next season. I, I think it's the most anticipated season in 20 years. Oh, no doubt. The ratings for college football are going to be insane this year. Georgia, Michigan, uh, Oklahoma. This is going to be insane this year. Uh, first, because I am I love this stuff and I don't get to talk to you guys that much. I, here's what I'll be interested in spring. I'll be interested in running back and defensive tackle. You guys have written about it. Everybody's written about it. Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton have to be studs. Um, otherwise, I don't know if the Texas defense is going to be enough to, to make year one the year that we win the SEC in my bet. Um, and then on running back, I'm just sort of excited about uh, 
the upside, actually. I, I want to see Jaden Blue uh, really take that next step. Um, I was a big C.J. Baxter believer early in the season, but by the end, like all of us, like, wow, look what Blue's got. Um, and then those two freshmen, by the way, that everybody talks up, specifically Christian Clark. But um, that's what I'll be looking for in, in spring ball. And then, um, yeah, it, it, this this I'm I'm excited. Texas football looks bright, man. I mean, really, really bright. I think we've finally taken that step where we're not the punching bag, the joke of Texas is back. I mean, I legitimately think Texas is back. That doesn't mean undefeated. That may not mean SEC champion. It should mean uh, playoff with 12 teams. And with this roster, I think anything could happen in the playoff. I think any. I think they could win a national championship. I truly do. And again, it's a new world of college football. The national champion may have two losses, right? Yes. I mean, with the SEC like this, that that's the way it could go. But I don't think the ceiling is there for the Longhorns. I think they can do anything that Sarkeesian can bring this team together to do. So, yeah, I'm incredibly pumped Texas is back. Well, Will, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Before you get out of here, let folks know if they want to check you out further, where they can hear you, where they can see you. I appreciate that, man. So uh, every day, 12 Eastern, 11 Central, the Will Kane Show. Go to foxnews.com or use YouTube, streaming live right there. It's always available on podcast as well at Apple, Spotify, or Fox News Podcast. It's the Will Kane Show. And then I host Fox and Friends Saturday and Sunday mornings from New York City. I commute every week from Texas back up to New York to host Fox and Friends. Um, so check us out 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday and Sunday mornings on Fox. All right, Will. Thank you so much for joining us. What we'll to get you back on or right before football whoa, 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 season whoa, 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 during the season. You can't get out of here without a hook em. Absolutely. Hook em. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Great stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Will. Uh, Will Kane, everybody. Well, great guest. Phenomenal guest, fellas. The guy that knows his football, too. I mean, he went in-depth there. Very yeah, in-depth. No, yeah, look, I mean, uh, we, him and I have kind of we exchanged some uh, messages, and I, I knew he was a guy that followed recruiting for years and years, man. So it's, it's awesome when a guy comes on uh, of his stature and literally is naming 2025 recruits. <laughs> I mean, KJ Lacey and Jordan Davidson get a shot, a shout out today. I mean, that's that. Will Kane is on it in recruiting. I didn't. We didn't even have enough time for me to ask him about. You know, he graduated from Sherman. We asked him before the show, but uh, you know, Sherman High School has always been known to me by Hunter Hunter the punter, as we'll call him. I call him Hunter Smith, the punter from uh, Notre Dame, and then the NFL from Sherman High. Man, so uh, I think Will graduated a couple of years before. Uh, Hunter Smith did, but that's that's really cool, man. I thank you very much to Will for coming on. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, we're gonna get to some questions real quick. Obviously, we're running a little behind, but that's all right. We had a great conversation there. Can't thank him enough for joining us. So let's uh, let's join. Let's do this one from Antoine. How's the Emmanuel Choice recruitment looking? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see who, what Texas as they continue to evaluate this spring, and this is the point I want to make about Texas and recruiting right now, and I think CJ will echo this. This is a continued evaluation process. Sark plays the long game. We talk about this all the time. I love that term that, you know, I, I, I think neither myself or Bobby came up with, recruit through the whistle uh, on this show a couple of years ago. Um, but, uh, you know, Sark's going to recruit through the whistle. They're going to continue to evaluate these guys. And Emmanuel Choice is one of the later offers at receiver out of Texas during the season. And I'm telling you where this guy's recruitment can really change. He was at Texas for junior day the 20th. He was at Oklahoma uh, here recently as well, who was his first offer, by the way. Here's where his recruitment can go to the next level. 
He's six four and a half, 180 pounds. His tape is good as a junior in high school. He took a big stride on the football field. If he runs a 14-1, 14-2, 110 high hurdles this spring, watch what happens to his recruitment. Because that's a time, if he can put that up at his height on the hurdles, that he you're going to see him get 10, 12 more offers. And that May evaluation period is going to go through the roof for him. Where Texas is at with him now, I think Texas has continued to evaluate the position. Uh, obviously, the Decorian Moore is at the top of the position, the LSU commitment. And you recruit him until December. I know Texas really likes Kelshawn Johnson, as I do too, from Hitchcock, a guy who uh, may run in the 10, 4, 10, 5 range this year on the track if he can put in the time on the track. The issue there is we talked about not to be too long when the high school track season starts Friday this week. It's been bumped up a week. So for guys in basketball like Kelshawn Johnson at Hitchcock, who won state last year, and are picked to go back and win it again, possibly, his track season's going to be really short. So can a guy like that have enough time in track this year to, to kind of get the times where he can maximize them? But as far as Emmanuel Choice, watch for his 110-meter hurdle times. If he starts putting up 14-1, 14-2, that's going to change the trajectory of his recruitment. Jerry, I got a quick one for you real quick. Is, is Texas recruiting a receiver to – fit that build, that size, or is it more he fits what Texas wants to do speed-wise? Because you also have Ashton Ansley down yep. out of Houston as well. Is that a, a guy Texas could pivot to? Is it more he fits what Texas wants to do in terms of explosiveness and uh, acceleration? I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Do they tie, Do they look to recruit a – whether it be the portal of high school rank, a 6'4 type of guy who can go get the ball in the red zone? You think back to the three throws against Washington. And while A.D. Mitchell's a really – I mean, obviously he's going to be a late first, second round guy. He's still not that six four six five kind of high jumper guy to go take that ball out of the air by the pylon, right? Even though he's had great body control, he made big-time catches. Not, there's guys you can recruit. They're that six four six five guy that they can almost have a very important role to go get that 50-50 ball. Does Sarkeesian want one of those guys in his system? It's not really where he's always gone. It's always been more about speed, elusiveness, guys who can he can move around and use within his scheme and then can just take the top off and scare people. Uh, but Emmanuel Choice has a little bit of that element to him. So it'll be interesting to see what Texas does in 2025 and moving forward. Okay, y'all. This next question from Antoine as well, since we're talking about recruiting. We'll stay on that for a minute. Can you speak on Austin Anderson wide receiver Ed Small, the one-time Texas baseball commit? Yeah, Blake, I know we've talked about this. Former Texas baseball commit, really talented pro prospect in the on the diamond uh, wants to focus on baseball or on football, excuse me, specifically moving forward uh, was on uh, on campus for the Texas junior day on January 20th uh, offers have been flying in. I think Texas tech was one of the most recent offers for him on the football field as well. Uh, Texas, again, as we talked about in the evaluation period right now at the receiver position, we, we also mentioned, you know, taking care of the backyard. So right now, Texas is uh, kind of still in that evaluation period for Ed Small. Obviously got him on campus not too long ago, uh, but it will be interesting to see if they circle back with an offer and an eventual pursuit. Right now, I think he is uh, destined for football at the next level. We'll see where that goes. I, I, would, I figure uh, it's in-state somewhere. Hey, I, by the way, the, he uh, CJ led me into something we forgot to mention. Uh, Lance Jackson, Texas commitment at Pleasant Grove. 
He's back on the mound. He's yeah. throwing seeds on the mound, right? Guys, I posted on, on TexasFootball.com, I posted a Twitter video. Here it is. Lance Jackson back on the mound. He missed last season uh, because he, he had a labrum surgery after football season, but he was hitting 92. It was where he topped out uh, in 2022 on the mound. That would have been his spring of his freshman year, guys. And y'all are yep. baseball guys. So now he's – that's when he was probably a mere 6'4", 215. <laughs> now he's 6'5", 250, 255, 260. Um, he's going to be interesting when Major League Baseball scouts start to go out and watch him. Uh, what does his upside actually is as a, as a pitcher in baseball? Yeah, we we got the chance to talk to him. He said he has a nasty hook as well, so that's going to factor into it, making sure he's not just a one trick pony up on the mound. But uh, I'm sure Texas is hoping, you know, let's uh, keep that hand in the dirt just a little bit longer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, Ray Potter brought up Quincy Porter out of New Jersey, big time receiver, one of the top guys in the country. Uh, we'll see, uh, you know, what happens there. Texas is giving it a go. We'll see. That's one where I'll get serious about it. When he gets to Austin, when he gets to Austin, we'll start to talk about it more. Um, uh, same, same as most of those uh, out-of-state guys. A uh, UT boy, thank you very much uh, for that super chat. By the way, I'm hitting yeah. the road. I'm hitting the road here in about an hour and a half, so uh, I've got to stop at Love's coming for some Robertson's beef jerky. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for the super chat, beef jerky, Jerry Hampton, hook them for life. UT boy says, and then another one for you, Jerry from Gus Fleener. He says you mentioned hunting. Did you notice at the end of Michael Terry's huddle that he's a pretty good punter too? Really versatile athlete. Uh, I know CJ has a little bit more on that. Right. I think he's a fascinating prospect because we'll see kind of where he translates at the next level. He's a big wide receiver. Obviously, he's a guy that you, you could see being 6'3", 240, 245 pounds. Could he be that flex tied in, that guy that's used similar to a Jatavion Sanders, Nye Black? And I'm not saying he's that level guy. Um, but similar to JT Sanders. Sanders was an outside receiver and edge rusher in high school. So he's not a guy that played tight end. Uh, that's why JT is so young as a tight end for me still, even though he's had three years at uh, college with uh, Jeff Banks and University of Texas. He's still young at that position. Uh, Michael Terry, that's what would be in front of him if somebody projected him out as a, as a future tight end. Is that is a That's a pretty long runway for him. A lot to learn. A lot can be put on that frame, CJ. Yeah, certainly. Has a uh, top three right now of Texas TCU and Texas Tech. Was at Texas A&M this past weekend as well. Uh, and so that should be a little bit, a little snippet preview of what's to come later today on, on Texas football uh, when Jerry and I get together for a little recruiting breakdown action. Uh, my, Christian Kruger said he's seen him play stud. I love it when you guys chime in. Uh, first of all, where are you coming in from? Uh, where are you checking in from? But two, that you've seen these guys play. I, I love the opinions. Okay, fellas, we're going to go from the football field to the hardwood for a second on recruiting. Champ Bailey 3 says, you got any updates on basketball recruits? Well, the only updates I have is Trey Johnson's phenomenal this year. Cam Scott's been big time, big time this year. Nick Cody's had his season cut short with a knee injury, um, so he was having a good year. Then there's Orich Comchi, which I won't pronounce his name right. Uh, he's a 6'11 uh, out of NBA African Senegal. He was on campus for an official visit for the U of H game. He was at USC the weekend prior uh, to watch a bad UCLA team beat a bad USC team. So I'm sure that was very impressive outside the LA area. Uh, but, uh, you know, look, Texas, Arizona, USC are the three teams that I've heard mentioned the most with him. The, the issue with him 
is he's a 6'11 big who's very skilled. He can shoot it now. I mean, he is a stretch four like Disu, but he is a rim protector, longer, taller, longer guy. The problem is, if you look at some NBA mock drafts, he's mocked the last two picks of the first round this year. He is also meeting with NBA G League Ignite before he went back uh, uh, overseas. Uh, so the NBA is the biggest hurdle for a Texas or an Arizona or a USC. I think Texas can win that recruitment if he decides to go to college. I think it'd be a huge pickup. I think that's the really right now the only other high school guy Texas is seriously recruiting. That doesn't mean somebody can't pop up because I think the portal is going to be big with the top five recruiting class they have. I mean, they had Trey Johnson 6'6", is a future top 10 pick. Cam Scott, 6'5", guards a future first-round pick. They're both mocked in first rounds in 2025 after a year at Texas. Trey is a one-and-done for sure. I could see Cam being a two-year guy. Uh, but point guard, big in the portal. Uh, I, I, Devin Pryor, his development's so big for Texas because he's a 6'7", upside wing. I, Texas is going to be much taller and longer at the guard position next year. I think they're going to have to find that right point guard in the portal, and then they got to get that experience at big. Um, in the portal losing Disu. If they do those things, look, I mean, it's going to look like a totally different team. Doesn't mean they're going to be better. Uh, they're going to have more shot making, but it's going to be a totally different looking team in year two under Rodney Terry. there's going to be some tall guards with long arms on the perimeter, which is kind of the issues Texas had to work around defensively this year. Well, before we move on, I'm going to tell everybody out there about Texas electricity ratings. And guys, if, you're shopping for electricity in the deregulated areas of Texas, then TexasElectricityRatings.com is the ba best place to find a great electricity plan for your household. For starters, it filters out the dangerous and gimmicky plans from, from providers that are all hat and no cattle when it comes to your monthly bill. You can shop by rate, but also by an average bill feature that actually takes into account seasonal usage to give you a real number and not just some placeholder. So if you're looking for a new electricity plan, check out TexasElectricityRatings.com slash OTF for the best options available. That's TexasElectricityRatings.com slash OTF and hook them. Hey, I have an important question. What's that? I, I don't know it. And I, obviously, CJ knows the answer to this question. What's the line on Texas-Iowa State tonight? Two. Texas is favored by two points tonight. Okay. There you go. There you go. Did you take it? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, guys. We're gonna move over here. Uh, Iowa State players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no, I'm not accusing basketball. Just but the basketball team should be clear after what happened to football. <laughs> yeah. You would think anyway. All right, Kyle V says, I thought mock draft this morning that had six longhorns taken in the first two rounds. He's talking about ESPN's draft. And we're gonna go over that right now, fellas. They start off with Byron Murphy uh, going number 16 overall to Seattle, followed by Xavier Worthy, 32 Ooh. overall to Kansas City. And then a run in the second round with Mitchell going to the Titans at the 38th pick, Sanders going to the Bengals with the 49th pick, and then uh, Sweat to the Browns with the 54th pick, and last but not least, Brooks to the Packers with the 58th pick. Look, I, I look I'm, not, I'm not the biggest NFL guy, but I know CJ's got a lot more on this in, in Blake than I do. But I, there was two of those that stood out to me. If you're Xavier Worthy, you just got to be doing this every night that you go to Kansas City. One. And two, Jonathan Brooks, if he actually went to the Packers late second, I think Jordan Love is a future 
I'm not going to say Hall of Fame quarterback, but he might be knocking on the door one day based on what I've seen early. That would be a hellacious place for Jonathan Brooks to land because he's got a franchise quarterback to hand him the ball and throw it to him. Yep. My, my thoughts there is I would actually have those wide receivers switched. I think if you're uh, the Chiefs, you're looking for a little bit more consistency with hands. A.D. Mitchell only had one drop this season. I think he fits what you want to do at Kansas City. Maybe not by – uh, the sense of speed, but by the sense of, you know, uh, providing a big pass catcher for Patrick Mahomes. We've seen it with Justin Watson this season. They've kind of thrown him into the into the mix. He's been their deep ball guy over the middle of the field, as well as Travis Kelsey underneath. So I would think he's kind of more of that guy with a big play upside there. And then for Tennessee, Xavier Worthy, to me, fits and brings something that they don't have. Traylon Burks is kind of their number one ass- alongside uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who is getting up there in age, neither of them which have blazing speed at, at which that we've seen. Traylon Burks did have it in college. We haven't seen that in the NFL. Uh, I'd like to think uh, they'd like to switch it up just a little bit there and, and get, a, get a taste. But I love Byron Murphy to Seattle. They need some run-stopping guys. And the last Texas Longhorn end up in Seattle did pretty well on the defensive line. Uh, and Fred Larson, the view at the baseball diamond at Pepperdine is incredible. Totally agree. Uh, Keith Niebuhr, a buddy of mine, long-term colleague in the business, and I, we took a trip out to Cali, saw some prospect years ago, and we went out to Pepperdine. We went took photos from the baseball field. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, you're literally looking at the Pacific Ocean from the baseball diamond at Pepperdine. So cool. And then PFF, they also released their mock draft, their newest mock draft yesterday. I want to go over that real quick. They have Byron Murphy, the only long uh, in the first round, going to the Ravens. Uh, then a run of four others in the second round. Worthy to the Falcons, Sanders to the Bengals, Thwet to the Cowboys. That ought to make some fans happy in the chat. And then Mitchell to the Texans. That should make the other half of the fans happy uh, in the chat. But, I mean, one thing's for sure, we're seeing about that five number in the first two rounds in almost every mock draft. And then a lot of times Brooke is Brooks is even added into the second round in a lot of these as well. I was right. going through the two the two rounds yesterday, and I'll have a little mock draft fun later this weekend. But the, the Falcons at 44 is what I thought Xavier Worthy would be the best fit for. With all their offensive weapons joining back up with Bijan, that'd be a lot of fun for them if they can find a quarterback. Because Lord knows it's not Desmond Ritter. Well, we have a super chat from Trey Day. Thank you, Trey. And he says, what's the likelihood that Sadir is the nose tackle we're looking for in 24? And could the coaching change at defensive line be the key to unlocking Collins? Yeah, so I don't. I think Collins is all on Collins. I don't think whoever the coach is doesn't matter. Bo Davis is a great football coach. Um, and I know people say, well, maybe just a change of, you know, communication, whatever. This is on Alfred to go be a great player. At this point, he's been a, it's an unbelievable talent since he came out of uh, Cedar Creek and Bastrop. He was a guy that I thought had first-round potential, just, just the tools when you look at him. Um, <clears throat> it's on him now. I mean, this is his last year. This is his last shot at it. The, the coach at this point doesn't matter as much as the intention of what you want to be as a football player. That's where I think this whole process is at for, for Alfred Collins. Sadir Mitchell, here's the thing with Sadir. I think – Bo laid a great foundation for Sadir. Sadir's had to mature a little bit mentally. Um, I don't think he he was ready coming in to be the player he could be. Now Kenny Baker gets a chance to develop that this spring. And I think, uh, CJ, I'm sure you'll have something on, on TexasFootball.com about it, but he's one of the five most important guys this spring for me. Because when you look at this team, who needs to take the steps? I actually put him ahead of, 
Alfred Collins, Vernon, because in the SEC, 6'6", 340 over the ball with initial quickness, that dog will hunt in that conference. There's a reason Georgia recruited him through the whistle even months after he was committed to Texas. Kirby went up and saw him in December. Everybody knows what Shadir can become. The difference with Bo and Kenny Bryant is – or sorry, Kenny Baker. Kenny Baker is a high-end pass rush guy, teacher from everything I understand. Uh, So I think not that Sadir is going to be a pass rusher, but if he can add more to his bag as he matures, I think that can take him to the next level because what Tavondre Sweat is being looked at um, right now is is he's just a first, second down player in the NFL draft. And you want Sadir to end up being an NFL player, but he has to take a huge step this year, CJ. Yeah, if I can add just a little bit on Alfred Collins. I know PFF grades are uh, to the eye of the beholder there, but they did have Alfred Collins as the number three rated overall defender on this past Texas team behind Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. How much of that was Bo Davis? We'll have to see coming up. But uh, Alfred Collins, by all accounts, was pretty solid last year, and I think what you can expect is just more consistency this upcoming season. Because the reality is if Alfred Collins is a consistent player in year five at Texas, he could go from a guy that Texas fans said, oh, man, what an underachiever, to a guy drafting the first three rounds. Yep. Because he's 82, 83-inch wingspan. He's 6'4 and a change in 315. He's athletic is all get out. Athletic laterally. He's going to put a 10-second split together that it's going to blow people's minds. He's got the whole, all the tools. He's just got to consistently put it on the field. Shake and bake one. No, we're still in winter workouts, but what starting spots are up for grabs Ooh, in the spring? That's a great question. Yeah, it is. Uh, tight end linebacker. You can look at specific spots on the offensive line. Uh, who are the three wide receivers of that group right now? Uh, and then specifically, I mean, defensive line, as we mentioned, who are going to be those guys to step up there? Uh, there, there will be a lot of battles this spring that are uh, very exciting. Wide receiver, tight end, uh, defensive end, safety, who kind of emerges from that bunch as well. So uh, a lot of excitement. One thing's for sure, there's no shortage of talent anywhere, despite needing one more guy potentially uh, inside that, that defensive line. But a lot of talent, a lot of competition. This should be a very exciting spring. There's C.J. Disson punter, of course, uh, but we'll see. Michael Kern's not here until uh, July or June, I should say. But, yeah, I totally agree with uh, C.J. I think it's going to be that defensive line. Anytime you bring in a new coach, linebacker and D-line, that's a different set of eyes. That's a different look, right? So that amps up the competition even more. Then you have Savea coming in out of the portal. You have Kendrick Blackshire coming in middle linebacker out of the portal. Is Leonga LaFowle. Who, who's going to play the, more, the most snaps in the middle in spring? And are those guys going to have enough experience? I think bringing in Blackshire, if he has a good spring heading in the next season, does that give Texas the ability to, you know, maybe not tinker with Anthony Hill in the middle as much as keep him where he is absolutely as best? And that's playing off the edge, rushing the passer, being the disruptive player from that linebacker position off the ball. I think that'll be interesting. As long as Longa LaFowle physically ready, to take a big step this spring. I think that's a big reason why Kendrick Blackshire was recruited out uh, to Texas right there. Um, is and I'm not calling him a stopgap player, but he does bring an adult, experienced middle linebacker to the room headed in the SEC, where you maybe Leonga LaFowle still a year away from being that. He has more upside as a player, but it'll be so fascinating to see um, what happens at those two positions in the spring. 
Okay, Pablo the Colombian says, would it surprise you if the passing game this year with Cook, Wingo, and transfers winds up flowing better, especially in the red zone this year as opposed to last year? Well, the red zone is going to be on Quinn because, as we mentioned, the the kind of late season reliance on A.D. Mitchell to kind of go be that guy to go get the ball vertically up in the air uh, was something that I ultimately – you know, you could argue was the downfall of Texas with this upcoming group. You're not going to have that high flying, big body guy to go target in the red zone. Could it be a nine black? Could it be a helm potentially? Uh, but it's not going to be a, a, a bond. It's not going to be a cook. It's not going to be a Silas Bolden. Those are going to be guys that you're going to have to throw open or hit while open. And on that, uh, that in that regard, it's all on Quinn to do so. So that's going to be my biggest uh, question mark. I would say for this group is, can you find consistent red zone uh, windows to throw to, and can Quinn Ewers hit that in, in year three? Uh, hey, Blake, uh, j- somebody asked if Simmons is on campus, and mm-hmm. a UT man asked, yes, he's on campus. He was one of 17 early enrollees, and I mentioned this because uh, CJ put out on ontexasfootball.com, talked about it on here, Colin Simmons is up about 15 pounds already. And pe- some people are like, how's that happen? Well, Colin's one of those guys that was about 230 before the start of his senior season, dropped 10 pounds. He's going to fluctuate, right? That's Tory Becton. That's the thing as he continues to mature is keeping that weight on him during a season. Uh, but going from 220 to 235, 240, to low 220s to 240, we saw him at the at the Under Armour game as CJ and I were both down there in Orlando. And, and he told us he was 220, 225 at the time, right? And he dropped a few pounds during the season. Uh, so him picking up that, that much weight in a short amount of time, when you change your diet, when you get in a college strength and conditioning program, oh, and he works out at Collective with Jeremy Hills. So now he's in Austin there, right? So he's the area, the place he wants to be working out. He's there all the time in the same city. So it's not surprising that Colin is stacking that much weight because I'll say this. I think whenever you say somebody's six, two and a quarter, six, two and a half, 220 pounds, they think, ah, oh, man, he's not, you know, he, he, he may be a little undersized. He may be a little skinny. Colin on the upper body does not look frail at all. When no. you see He actually looks stronger to me when I saw him in December than he did at his uh, commitment ceremony at Duncanville High. He's put he's put on good strength, good mass in his upper body. He's a guy that'll be 6'2 and a half, 250 uh, at his best, I, I believe, in college and the NFL. And can move. Yes. He has twitched up. Uh, we have time for just one or two more questions. So we'll start with this one from James Hatfield. Does Texas return the best offensive line in the SEC Ooh. next year? Ooh. That's a fun one I haven't uh, dove into just yet. Uh, That's a story idea. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, it's not going to be Alabama. It sure as hell won't be Oklahoma or AM. Can know. Ole Miss put theirs together? That's the question yeah. I was going to bring up. Ole Miss added a lot, and we talked about it yesterday in the little uh, the portal uh, breakdown. Um, Ole Miss added two of the Washington offensive linemen from a year ago in which they won the Joe Moore Award trophy. That's going to be someone to watch, as is Georgia, simply in the sense that they continually replenish up there. Texas right now, you could argue, probably the most experienced, at least returning-wise. Yeah. Uh, The continuity there certainly goes to Texas. Yeah. Uh, It's it's not Florida. (laughs) I can tell you that. Tennessee getting Zalance Hurd out of the portal was very interesting to me. Um, as well, but I bet I'm betting without CJ doing the research first. I'm betting Texas may have the most starts. Nope. As a as a at the same university, they may have the most starts coming back. 
And then last question here from AJJ Sports. He says, last year we saw the main position priority being defensive back. Besides the defensive line, which position will Texas target the most for the 2025 recruiting cycle? I'm going to say linebacker. New coach at linebacker, right? They like their guys, and that doesn't mean the guys that are there don't have a chance. I'm not saying that, but they recruit their guys. But Texas only took one linebacker, flipped Ty Anthony Smith late from AM, who, by the way, is doing very well early on. CJ talked about that. Another guy to add a lot of weight quickly because he's almost like a state of Florida kid that played multiple uh, sports at a smaller school and then just balloon, it just blossoms quickly at college uh, physically. But I think you could see Texas take three or four linebackers twofold. One, they only took one in 24. Two, it's a great year in state. Elijah Barnes, Riley Pettijohn at the top. But you saw two recent Texas offers, Jonathan Cunningham, who I love at North Crowley, and Javar Thomas at Alney Nimitz. Long lever guys, 6'2 and a half, 185, 190-pound guys who have range, long arms, big hands, and are going to fill out those frames. So you're kind of seeing what Texas is looking at, what they think they need headed into the SEC. So many good linebackers in the state of Texas um, that I think it's it, plus only taking one last year. I think it's going to lead to three or four. I think Texas is going to take five offensive linemen in this class. Guys, they took three last year. They'll lose Kelvin Banks early. Um, will every kid that's there now stay? I mean, that's the question. At some point, Kyle Flood's going to lose somebody at the portal. It's going to happen. He's, he's not going to go 100% for four straight years, right? Um, but I think it's a tremendous year in state at offensive line. Then you have John Mills out in San Francisco at St. Ignatius, who I think Texas has a really good shot with battling Washington uh, and Michigan and others. But such a good year in state um, and nationally at offensive line after taking three and 24, I expect them to take five and 25 and really set up the future of those offensive lines. All right, y'all. Well, that's going to do it for today's edition of Coffee and Football. I know y'all got uh, a recruiting breakdown, I believe, brewing up here yeah. in a little bit. What else y'all working on that yeah. folks can expect it on TexasFootball.com? Yeah, recruiting breakdown. We're going to go Sark versus Elko in 2025. We're going to take a look at that because a and Texas, A&M and Texas are going to be recruiting more of the same players now that Texas is moving to the SEC. More of those long lever guys on defense, those large humans, those big humans. I think you're going to see more AM and Texas recruiting battles in the future uh, back in uh, with both back in the same conference and playing each other. Um, I'm going to hit the road. So we'll see. Go on TexasFootball.com. I'll keep you updated. But I'm I'm hitting the road the rest of the week. We're going to have a little fun on the road. Same hey, prospects. Get some of that super chat beef jerky money and load up and Get after oh, it, hey, nobody, we're gonna be back with joy mode tomorrow, so don't 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 get sad. And when you get more than two days of joy mode here, <laughs> all right. Well, we want to thank Will Kane for coming on, a phenomenal guest, and 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 yes. sharing you know his insight and gave us a lot of his time. So thank you, Will, for joining us. We'll definitely have to get him back on at some point before the season begins. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for the super chats. Got to say a big thank you to Texas Electricity Ratings and Joy Mode as well. No, you guys love that. So we'll be back same time, same place tomorrow morning. And for CJ, hey, well, I, I, need, I need to put CJ on the spot. Are you taking Texas or Iowa State tonight? I'm gonna ride with the boys at home. I, I, I think the movie's gonna I, be rocking. I think Texas, and then we're both gonna end up being wrong because of how the season's gone. I think Texas is gonna turn the corner at home tonight and beat Iowa State. It's weird. They've go. been a better road team. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, and we'll talk about it in the morning. For sure. <laughs> so, all right. Well, for CJ and Jerry, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning.